Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. I'm talking about straining for that logo on the side of your helmet and not the name on your back. Yes, sir. Because we know what it represents. It represents everybody here you see and everybody you can't that we've talked about. I'm here to strain with you, men. I swear to God I'm here to strain with you. Let's go. Everything you got, strain with everything you got. Let's go. Bills on three. One, two, three. Bills. You're listening to the Off Tackle with John Fetus Show with your host, Joe Miller. Well, what is going on, everybody? Welcome. Welcome, everybody, into the Off Tackle with John Fiennes show with me, your host, Joe Miller, who you can find on Twitter at Joe Miller Wired, even though I can't currently log in to Twitter on my iMac. I have no idea what's going on. Been logged out of everything. But it's good to have you post-2023 Buffalo Bills draft with me, Joe, and that guy over there, John Fina. John, introduce yourself. Hey, it's me. It's John Fina, uh, number 70. I got what else I got? Former Buffalo Bill, uh, 10 years in the Queen City, friend to Joe Miller, aficionado of all things food, football, and beverage. Here I am. And both of us drinking bourbon tonight. Cheers, John. Yeah. Uh, cheers to you. I'm drinking a Widow Jane. I'm, I'm nowhere near as fancy. I've got some fancy stuff upstairs. So I just poured a glass of bullet and it just, it was like, oh, easy. You know, I have a good friend who's a total bourbon head. Is that a thing? Bourbon head? Is that a thing? Yeah, it's a thing now. And he, I'm like, you know, I just go to the store and I'm like, just take a picture of the bourbon wall. And I'm like, you know, tell me what to get. (laughs) And I picked up a couple of bourbons. They're fantastic. This Widow Jane is one of them. But I'm not like a, you know, I'm not an aficionado, but this is pretty good. A little sweetness, but uh, really nice smoke on it. I think Mm. you would enjoy it. You're going to have to send me a list of stuff to buy as far as it goes. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the Off Tackle with John Fina show. So good to have you guys with us here for episode number three of the 2023 draft three episode series draft special for the Buffalo Bills for the Off Tackle with John Fina show. John, does watch it? What is watching the draft do? I, I know the whole thing is different now to include like, weren't there like 75 rounds when you were drafted? Like, <laughs> there were there were 750 rounds. The draft ended in June. It was the got, craziest thing. I think my cousin got drafted once, and he was like 12 years old. Like, <laughs> yeah, they were they were importing players from like uh, Bulgaria. They didn't even they ran out of college players. Exactly. But when you when you watch the draft, I guess question number one would be: When you watch the draft, does it take you back to those moments? As far I, I you, do you want to go? 
I don't know how many new listeners we have. Do you want to tell your draft story? No. No. <laughs> I've told it a lot. I'll I'll just keep it short. You know, I I wasn't really expected to be a higher early round draft pick. So my parents planned a trip months before the draft was even scheduled. And they were in uh, Portugal the day I was drafted and they were calling their friends. What what happened? What happened? And and they told them so they they got to celebrate on that continent and I got to celebrate on ours. Uh it was it was pretty wild. I, I, I didn't have any thoughts that I would go before probably the third round. So I was sleeping in, I might've had uh, one or two of these the night before the, and the day before I went out and played 18 holes of golf and went like an idiot chasing a ball into the desert up in North Scottsdale and damn near turned my cankle and like broke my leg. <laughs> my agent was screaming at me. He's like, what are you doing? You idiot. Get the hell out of there. You get bitten by a snake, falling a cactus. Your career will be over before it even starts. Right. Right. So it was uh it was a great feeling. I, I they finally rousted me. I went downstairs. I think at about pick 15 and, um, you know, I was, I, I was just trying to stay calm, right? Because you get you get too excited, and then you know your disappointment is even greater, right? So I would always kind of, and that's sort of my personality, just kind of approach things, you know, very methodically, soberly, <laughs> at that point, and <laughs> and then just wait to be surprised. And I was, I was pleasantly surprised. It was, it was, it was awesome. Did they fly that? And now, no, they didn't fly us out like they do no. then. They you get a call, you know, the next couple of days and say, "We got a ticket for you to come to minicamp." It's not like it is now, where you fly in on the Pigula jet. You know, you land. They probably cover you in sweats and hats, ball caps and shoes. And no, no, it wasn't like that. In fact, my first day of minicamp practice, I was wearing like. 14 year old champion sweats that like chafed all the hair off my legs <laughs> it was a different deal back then man but it was still it was still unbelievable like surreal unbelievable so does watching the draft when you sit down and watch it now does it take you back to any of that time like that feeling that that emotion again when you got the call for sure and for two reasons uh you know that got the guys there in kansas city so the cameras on them, how many cameras must they have had to have there? Like 60, right? 60 guys show up or more. I mean, just on the players and their families. I think it's 20, and, 20 guys get it. But yeah. All right. That's pretty good. So man, just seeing the joy on their face when that phone call comes in, that, that never changes. You know, you can always put your, insert yourself back into that. And then when they have guys at home, you know, where the family's video, videoing them, uh, you know, and their families are surrounding them. That's that's a little bit like what what happened to me. It was it was pretty wild. And and so everybody knows you're on the phone, and everybody in the room is like, "Oh my God, what's going on?" And they assume it's the next pick, of course. Right. And, but then everybody kind of just goes silent, and they wait for that pick to be announced, and then the room just explodes. It's incredible. That's cool. That's a lot of fun. Uh, well, awesome. Thank you for sharing that draft experience. I have no experiences like that. I have no experiences where I've sat around with bated breath waiting for somebody to call me to invite me into their life and pay me a lot of money. So it's never happened to me. So I'll live vicariously through you and your memories, if that is okay, John. I, I, you're, you're welcome to vicariously live in my head and my heart. Um, <laughs> although, a word of warning. Uh oh, here it comes. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> just, just word of warning. Word of warning. Look Boing. out. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> blank just fill in information here uh it's good to have everybody with us and uh there's way too many people now in the comment section for me to even begin to like calling people out other oh, than how cool is that other than my mom my mom is Aww. in the room but she's a pretty faithful watcher but mom is mom is in the room so mom welcome hey, love you um but uh it is good to have everybody so the draft is in the books the buffalo bills have completed the draft as have all of the other nfl teams uh, in round one, and we'll go through these kind of individually, but I just want to throw them out there for those, maybe if, if they haven't heard. Uh, round one, the Buffalo Bills took a tight end out of Utah, Dalton Kincaid. Uh, <laughs> I have, uh, I'm, I have a funny story about the word Utah, but that's enough for another day. Uh, in the second round, pick 59 overall, the Bills took Osiris Torrance, a guard out of Florida. Round three, pick number 91. They took Dorian Williams, a linebacker out of Tulane. Round five, pick 150 from Arizona. They got Justin Shorter, wide receiver from Florida. Round seven, pick 230. Neil Broker, an offensive guard from Ole Miss. So they actually took two guards in this draft round, which kind of lets you know what they feel about Spencer Brown, I would think, right? Right right off the top. <laughs> you kind of know how they feel about Spencer Brown and playing, starting as the right tackle this year. And then round seven, the last pick that they had, uh, pick two, 252 overall, they took Alex Austin, a cornerback out of uh, Oregon State. So first things first, first blush. John Fina, I'm going to let you go first. What are your thoughts just on this draft, the players that they picked? Oh, well, it just kind of depends on, you know, you can look at the whole players, the whole draft as names, right? Mm -hmm. But the biggest problem, Joe, is you missed one of the picks. I did. You didn't, you didn't mention that pick. And in the, uh, Eighth round, the 27th pick, the Finas <laughs> picked Gigi, the uh, miniature schnauzer puppy. It looks like a cotton ball. I know. She's a little cotton ball, man. <laughs> we picked her up today. Look at Gigi. Yikes. Yeah. Hi, Gigi. You're funny. Welcome to the show. <laughs> okay. That was Gigi. 27th Welcome pick of the eighth round uh had to introduce Gigi. a lot of people were throwing names out there and we selected Gigi. there she was there she so is. going back to what you're talking about you know you can look at the names right and where's your cutoff is your cutoff after round three for guys that you think will make the squad make the roster or is your cutoff after round four and anything below that three or four you're just mm -hmm. hopeful that mm, they're going to make the team right Right. So really, you want to focus on those top three rounds, maybe top four rounds, and then be pleasantly surprised that you get someone who rosters in the later rounds and then is a huge contributor on special teams or God, lo and behold, uh, they, they're a great contributor within the offense or defense. So other than that, I have to say I'm overall pleased I know there are there's a lot of talk about two picks that were made. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, we can go through them one by one, and I think we should. And then when we get to those ones that are a little bit uh, I guess Bill's fan controversial, why don't you and I kind of talk it through? Okay. So sure, sure. Let's start with Dalton Kincaid. All right. So well, do you want me to give you my overarching thought of the draft as well? No. Okay. So we'll start yes, with I do. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, for all intents and purposes, I agree with what a lot of the pundits have said and a lot of people in the comments section have said that it was a solid draft. Now, at the end of the day, 
we're going to find out more by week eight, week 10, right? As far as what this draft is going to shake out. Like people asked me leading up to the draft this year, I got tons of questions, whether on Twitter, in person, wherever I was, Joe, who do you want the bills to take first, first, you know, in the first round, who do you want them to take in the second round? And to be honest with you, I said, I didn't care. I don't care who the bills take as long as they play. I don't care. Do take whatever guy you want to take with whatever pick you want to take as long as they play. So that kind of removes this whole idea of like, well, we really need a wide receiver or we really need an offensive tackle or we, we really need a middle linebacker. It's great to take an offensive tackle, a middle linebacker and a, and a edge rusher. If you think you need one, if they don't play in the rookie year, it's like, well, what was even the point of that? I felt like oh, you would have hated. Did you when I got picked? Did you hate that pick? You're like, oh my god, this that's what a disaster. <laughs> the Bills were going to the Super Bowl. We had the opportunity to take luxury picks such as yourself, John. Oh, I'm, so, I'm so luxurious. It's my skincare routine. Are you using the the Gillette razor that Josh uses? Is that why you look so I, I good? Do. No, I do. No, uh, I do know. <laughs> I'm trying to get us a, a sponsorship here, John. You're supposed to say yes. I love that razor. I would absolutely 100 support Gillette razors. Welcome to the Off Tackle Show with Gillette exactly. Razor, John Fina. Uh, exactly. So let, let me cut you off. Is that okay? No, I didn't finish, but okay. <laughs> so I, I want to wrinkle that Okay. Uh, with what you said. So we are actually in a situation which is not terribly different from when I played mm. where there is a little bit of luxury. Now, I like where your head's coming from because I think the modern athlete are more plug-and-play minus a couple of positions. Right. Um, so by and large, I agree with you by and large. My, my only point is this, and I know that it's the exception to the rule. So right out of the gate, when I say the next line that everybody that's listening to this show, whether on video or via podcast later in the week, they've all heard this. The Kansas city chiefs last year drafted seven players, seven rookie Kansas city chief players played in the super bowl. Now, I'm not saying that all the players need to play at the level where they're like full-time starters. I'm just saying this noise and this trash that we've had for the th- last three or four years where we're we're just we're drafting on potential, we're drafting on character, we're drafting on guys that are a little bit raw and rough and someday, someday might turn into something really, really good. We just don't live in that space. We didn't live in that space, in my opinion, in 2023. So for me to wrap all this draft up inside of, I need guys that are going to play. And when I look at this list, Dalton Kincaid, Osiris Torrance, Dorian Williams, which there's arguments out there on the internet as far as to whether or not he will be a special teamer or could play next to Matt Milano as a linebacker full-time, Justin Shorter. When I see those four names, I see guys that are going to play and make a, a big impact right away. And to me, that was the most important part. So that's my overall first draft kind of synopsis and yes now we can go back and forth if you want all right so you want them to be contributors whether it's they don't have to be a full-time starter in your opinion as long as shorter broker and austin well maybe not broker but shorter and austin and williams are contributing on you know four or five special teams and doing a good job i i I don't think they had the luxury of them not contributing i think the jets i think the jets got very good as soon as aaron Rodgers showed up i agree Okay. Um, All right. So I don't disagree with you. Let's talk about Dalton Kincaid. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, when we talked about weapons for Josh, for, you know, and some people got this. I admit I didn't. I wasn't thinking tight end, but 
I watched him because he was in the Pac-12, and the kid is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I'm a little, little bit embarrassed that I didn't think to myself, well, a tight end is a weapon, right? I mean, the, there's a few of them in the league that are true weapons, and I guess you don't just, I just didn't wrap my mind around it, but it does make sense. You know, by having both of them, you can line up in two tight end sets. It protects the tackles a little bit more just by virtue of being on the end of the line and being visually disruptive to a defensive end. Uh, and then both, uh, both, both DKs having the ability to work the middle of the field and specifically for Dalton Kincaid to get a mismatch and go down the seam. Right. right. So I think there's a really good moderate to deep threat ability with him, depending on how well we can get mismatches. So I yeah. like the pick uh, shame on me for thinking uh, weapon only wide receiver um, clearly. And this is what I've been saying for a long time. The guys at one bills drive no more than me. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. You a fan of the cult DK pick? Very much so um, for a number of reasons. Even when it started getting floated about a month and a half, two months ago, that the bills might be in at tight end um, with their first pick. And there was a lot of mocks by the guys that do mocks, and I don't mean necessarily the guys like us that are content creators, like the, the national guys on ESPN and NFL Network that, were, that actually had Dalton Kincaid as the Bills' first pick at 27. I wasn't necessarily against it. It's clear, overwhelmingly clear, that the Buffalo Bills have been trying to do something the last couple of years, even going back to Lee Smith. Uh, they love that kind of sixth offensive lineman, big dude out there. They did it with Lee Smith. Who could then? Who actually went out and caught a couple passes? Uh, Tommy Doyle was kind of that guy. Then Bobby Hart when Tommy Doyle got hurt. Um, it's obvious. OJ uh, OJ Howard last year when they picked him up, it was pretty clear that that's what they wanted him to do, and they didn't feel like he was going to be able to do or execute for whatever reason what they wanted to execute. Obviously, he went to I think the Texans, right, and actually had a pretty okay year. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent. You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Looking at what he did. Um, So when I see Dalton Kincaid, I think the thing, you know, there's an aspect of like, well, they're rookie tight ends. I know some guys might have preferred uh, one of the other guys over Dalton Kincaid, some of the pundits, some of the experts, whatever. Uh, But when you hear that he's, I can't remember what it's from a, he's the best pass catching uh, available player in the draft that he was like, uh, I can't remember where, what the number was, but when you, when you consider that the bills got the best wide receiver in the draft at 27 and he's a tight end that can also block 
that can play in the middle of the field. I mean, Cole Beasley has made some comments on Twitter that have effectively said, I want to come back, but them drafting that kid pretty much makes it look like I'm not coming back because they've got the guy that's going to play and like do that middle of the field thing. So I love this pick, the potential of this pick. I love that he's pro ready. He's ready to play like out of the box. It's going to come down to can Josh play football with two tight ends and keep his eyes on him or is he going to be, no, I think I think I, I think they're gonna I think they're gonna be able to work this beautifully. And I think it gives such a great <clears throat> su- such a great wrinkle to play out play action. Now I, I got a lot of crap on Twitter for saying great pick, you know, you better block your ass off. However, I think a a lot of people when they think of offensive line blocking or tight end blocking is just kind of straight ahead, dog fight, mm-hmm. mash kind of stuff. That's not really the type of things that I'm interested in. I want somebody reliable on the backside that's going to be able to get to the far shoulder and cut mm-hmm. off the pursuit angle. I want somebody on the front side to work uh schemes with the tackle. Mm-hmm. So you're not I'm not talking about two guys mashing together. I'm talking about two guys meshing on a combination block getting to the next level. And they haven't used Dawson that way to be fair. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that he has that skill set. I think this kid is a little bit more capable of doing that. Yeah, but it's a it's a great pick. The hands, I mean, the hands alone. And we'll get more into that here. Oh, in oh, oh! One other point. Yeah, you know, because the Pac-12 after dark idea was so stupid. Nobody <laughs> in the East Coast watched a single Pac-12 game, and it's one thing to watch and look at the stats of what Kincaid did against USC. Yeah, but I watched that game live. And that was extraordinary. Yeah. And, you know, they talk about catch radius, uh, bailing your quarterback out, being able to turn your body in midair, you know, Mm -hmm. contort yourself to put a hand on the ball. And the kid does all that. Right. And that to me, watching that game, I was like, you know, in my head, I'm thinking there's one player on the field that's beating USC. And it was Dalton Kincaid. Yeah. The only thing that concerns me about the hype of that performance in that game is it was one game. Uh, and, you know, Buffalo Rumbling Zone, Bruce Nolan talks all the time that it's it's not about one time and it's not about two times. It's, it's about, you know, sustained success and how you're doing it. Are you continuing to do it over long stretches of time before you determine that this is something that you're good at? That's the only concern that I have is that it was one game. Now, sure, one game. Sure, but know. we're talking about uh, one of the premier West Coast mm-hmm. college football teams. Okay. They are, they're killing it year in and year out and they have great weapons and they have great coaches. So to have one player take over any game for Utah is pretty damn impressive. They have a terrific running game. They've got historically, maybe not NFL offensive linemen, but very good offensive linemen. So, you know, I'm not too concerned about that. They've always had very good receivers he fits really well as a team player. The opportunity mm-hmm. came. He exposed the middle of the field against the Trojans. And as a lifelong hater of the USC Trojans, <laughs> I reveled in that. <laughs> That's awesome. The next pick, the Buffalo Bills round two, pick number 59 overall, take Osiris Torrance. And I've seen it spelled a couple different ways, O-C-Y-R-U-S, as well as uh, I think I've seen it spelled with eyes as well, which is a little strange. So like O-C-I-R-I-S. Uh, so I'm guessing that the accurate spelling is O-C-Y-R-U-S. Um, thrilled. 
with this pick for a number of reasons. Um, my understanding is he has the potential or has played center in the past. Um, so that's a small, probably where I would start, that there's an opportunity maybe there to to convert him to center if needed. Once Mitch Morse con- contract is up in two years, the size, you got to love the size. You got to love just, and I know you've got some information for us in regards to him, which is why I'm going first. Um, you just got to love what he brings to the team. And I can go through some of his draft kind of information real quick. I'm going to let you talk just about your thoughts on him and just some of the, I think you've got some stats. I think you've got some like other things, information about him. Don't you? No, I don't. I thought you had some, uh, like, like the fact that he, I think he only got penalized twice or something. Yeah. Like that. You know, I, I saw that only two penalties never gave up a sack. And then I right, saw somewhere right. that he gave up two sacks to me, you know, anything below three or four over the course of your career is shockingly good. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and the penalty thing is huge, right? Don't hurt us. Don't get beat. And, you know, don't jump off sides. When you talk about him playing at center, you know, I would, in my mind, if Morse goes down, I think you see Bates go to center, right? And then Torrance goes in. But more importantly, you know, we signed two guards in free agency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, add a guard, we had two guards in the draft. And we've got and Ryan Bates plays guard. <laughs> and, and Ryan Bates plays guard. Right now. Exactly. So, wow. I mean, I'd love to go to every training camp right now. I mean, I'd be I'd be down with the offensive line just watching that. I'd, I'd love to be a fly on the wall. It's going to be if if Cromer doesn't have a meeting room competitive competitive environment to go with the competitive competitive environment that's going to occur physically. Mm. You know, that's a that's a missed opportunity. Uh, it, it's a battle. I mean, how many guards do we have now? I mean, it's close to five or six. Not all of them are going to make the team. That's for sure. So that's then, my point. Yeah. So you, you almost got to wonder if it, if it's a Connor McGovern and you know Osiris Torrance that makes you know that become the starters. Does does Ryan Bates move back into that rotational player, which then kind of puts Tommy Doyle on a little bit of a bubble. So it's going to be interesting to see how all of that somewhat shakes out. Uh, concerns that I have about Torrance. We know his size. We know his character. We know his personality. Uh, we obviously have heard all the accolades about his play. One of the things that concerns me that I think is weird because it's a little bit of a, although you've mentioned it many times, I was going to say it's a little bit of a, of a turn from what I feel like the bills have wanted. One of the negatives to his play is that he's not super athletic in the sense of laterally. He's not a big mover. He's more of an anchor than he is like going to be a pin and pull kind of guy. Right. Which you you've made comments in the past that the bills don't have the most athletic front. Meanwhile, I feel like they kind of pull more than most offensive lines do. So I don't think I've ever said that. I'd like to I'd like to review shows one through forty, please. Um, <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> look, there's two ways to pull, right? You can kind of do a pull read. You know, it's kind of a skip hop pull just across the center. Read the read the opening. Are you going to go past the guard? Are you going to go between the center and the guard on the opposite side? Um, and there's also a physical makeup of players that changes. I mean, these are babies, right? They're 22, 23 year old kids. I don't, I don't have his age, but you know, they're, they're going to, they're going to get to the point where they're working, uh, with the, the training staff and they're going to improve. And, you know, if we could do this kind of thing for a player in the eighties and change Bruce Smith from what he looked like when he arrived to the guy that was at uh, superstar form in the middle of his career, you know, guys will continue to develop uh, physically. Now, I don't really think he needs it, but if you want to go to a big running scheme, uh, fine. Uh, but as you've, as you've seen, you know, 
when I played, you never saw a center pull. Mm. And they do a ton of that now because you see a three and a one. So you'll get um, the guard pinning the one technique and the center pulling. And we've got guys that can do that. So yeah, I, don't, Mitch, I don't. Mitch Morris is a big, is very athletic, right? Yeah, I, I don't see a problem with that. But it, regardless, he'll get better. I just like the fact that they've got a guy, you know, who if he's groomed correctly and properly, you know, we're going to be able to battle some of the three and one techniques that we have in our division. Well, one of the, one of the comments about him is that he uh, does a good job of using his strength to stop defenders in the pass rush. Uh, Torrance does a good job of handling the bull rush and shows to have the lower body strength to anchor down on defenders, stopping them from getting any penetration. This is from the draft network. One of the areas of concern they talk about is he's probably susceptible to twists and stunts because he doesn't have maybe that lateral quickness. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, I don't want to say misinformation, but kind of like when in his, in his, in his, in his press conference and some of the other reports, he talked about the quickness of his feet, that his feet are always moving in some of his draft reports. They talk about that. He doesn't move his feet. So there's mm. a great deal of like, okay, so which is it? <laughs> well, so let me address the kind of lateral movement with twists and stunts kind of thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. So if he, if he's a right guard, you know, he's virtually, 18 inches foot to foot from the center. And if you have a guy that's coming inside, you're really talking about a pitter patter step. And the, the, the most important thing about trading a twist mm -hmm. is that the defender is not into your body. Mm. Right. So if I can keep him at distance, then I'm able to swap with the center. The center is going to slide onto my hip or the tackle is going to slide onto my hip. And then the soft guys going over the top. So really it's when those tricks work really well, they get guys compromised because it's either half a man or their arms are collapsed. And we need it. We need long arm guys in the middle. All I heard was uh, you put your hand upon my hip and when I dip, you dip, we dip. That's all I, I love it. Is that a square dance? <laughs> it's a song of some sort. Right. Just, <laughs> but no, super, super pleased with that pick as far as that goes. I, you know, I expect, I think we all do at this point, you know, I expect him to probably be a day one starter, right? Um, the question is, is it going to be right guard? Is it going to be left guard? We know Ryan Bates played right guard last year. We all probably would agree that he played better at left guard. Uh, and then there's the Connor McGovern piece, you know, that I would think there's an expectation that he's going to start. So, well, th I think that's great because what we did last year is we brought Roger Saffold in and it seemed like it was a sort of heir apparent situation. And mm -hmm. there, there wasn't a battle. I think I recall for personal reasons, he missed some of training camp and what he have had, you. He had an injury. Or an injury, sorry, that's personal, I suppose, depending mm -hmm. on where you get kicked. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just, I'm all for the battle, man. I mean, they right. did it to me. They brought guys in and tried to, you know, inspire me or push me out or do the heir apparent thing every now and again, and that was good for me. It was good. It it's good for a player mentally. Did it heighten up your uh, your your level of competitiveness, or were you like, meh, it is what it is? Maybe a little bit, but you know, I'm I'm a little different. Yes, no, I shouldn't say that because I don't I don't know. I can't climb into everybody else's head. But for me, I was always of the opinion like I should be at the top of my game anyway. Mm -hmm. um, although everybody, you know, has their moments. Right. Yeah. Sarah, who is the uh, the Buffalo Rumblings expert at this point, says that. Uh, and I think he did play right guard in, in college. The only reason I say it, we were not sure yet is just because. There's a great deal of this coaching staff feels like any guy across the offensive line can play anywhere. It's like, we've talked, 
Jerry Ostrowski's talked with us that nah, Ruben Brown has talked like that's not really true. It, no, it's not. It's not really true, but it, it's maybe it's generationally uh, changing now. Right. So I don't see a problem with working guys through at different positions because in the event of a disaster, i.e. the cornerback situation on our mm -hmm. defense last year, you know, you're like plug and play and praying on right. Sundays right. to make sure you know, these guys can do what you need them to. So I don't have a problem with that. But overall, great pick. Um, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing some competition, some nasty. We need some nasty up front. Yeah, agreed. Round three, pick 91, Dorian Williams, linebacker out of Tulane. Thoughts? Yeah, okay. So hmm. the, only, the only shot that I would have against Dorian, or sorry, uh, Dorian Williams, right? Yep, yep, yep. Is if we're the middle linebacker thing. So there's just kind of a three-part answer. If you think that we needed a middle linebacker somewhere, then you're kind of like, what the heck did we draft a linebacker for if we couldn't get a middle linebacker? Well, he right. is the middle. He, the, the, he's projected to play middle. He's projected to play middle, but everybody's saying, well, he hasn't played there. Or he's right. you know, he's a Matt Milano replacement or so the whole point of what I'm saying is there's more to the defense's evolution this year than you and I and everybody else is privy to. And if you're going to draft a guy who's, you know, I don't know, is he questionably a middle linebacker? Uh, he, he wasn't highlighted as a middle linebacker. Well, I mean, he's six foot one, two twenty eight. Um, he ran a decent forty. He ran a four four nine. Um, so he's super athletic. They talk about the length of his arms, but he's undersized as far as that goes. Now, and I say that knowing that London Fletcher played middle linebacker for this like football this team, and then went on to the Washington, yeah, and went on to the Washington Redskins. Sorry, Washington Commanders, uh, and played there for a very, very long time. Like had a, an incredible career. There's been short middle linebackers before. Yeah, I mean, I don't consider six one short. Correct. Um, <clears throat> Taller than me, right? Well, there's talk about how well does he disengage, and if you look at it, you know, the other option, if you passed on him, or you you reached, right? It was mm -hmm. only eight slots down. Was Drew Sanders, who I liked as well, taller went after him? Went after him, correct? That's what I'm saying. You would yeah. have had not trade up or anything, but you would have you'd have plucked him eight spots before you picked. Which isn't acceptable, but they're virtually maybe the same player. So you go with the guy that you think is going to fit your defense. People are saying it's the wrong pick because he's not an MLB. Well, maybe he for us, he's an inside linebacker. And the scheme changes to accentuate his abilities, which yeah. I think it has to change. What's interesting about this, and I, I, I think I do now remember, Daniel Gowry said that uh, Bean said he will start off at outside linebacker. Well, we've been told for the last four years that there is no inside, middle, or outside linebacker on this football team. That Jermaine mm -hmm. Edmonds and Matt Milano play effectively the same position in a nickel yeah. or two. So, And I, and I don't disagree with that. <laughs> I like, really don't. I mean, I can, I can tell you that at first blush, when you look at certain offensive sets, you're going to get Tremaine Edmonds in the middle. Right. Um, but he played out in space a lot too. And mm. by virtue of what the league is like now with, with how much spread you see, how much pass when you traditionally might've seen run you know, a guy like Tremaine Edmonds, he may line up in that position, but how often is he eight yards off the ball, you know, protecting the curl in the option route? 
Correct. I think the problem that I have with this pick, the only real problem that I have with this pick is just that I, I feel like they could have moved back and got him. Right. Or third or, or fourth round draft pick, which, you know, middle of the fourth. So do you, do you, do you scooch back, pick up a fifth or pick up a sixth? Right. So go ahead. Or, or, or to what you're saying is, is this a shot at, at Bernard? Is he not the guy? Cause they're similar guys, but rather than dropping back and getting the same guy, the same position, whether it's, you know, Drew Sanders or uh, Dorian Williams, what about another position? What about a safety? Safety. Um, you know, and that jumps us ahead down to the last pick, but I don't know. I think this is, you know, I'm not in the room, right? I, I don't, I'm not assessing the needs. I'm going to trust, but it's a head scratcher. Yeah, for sure. When there, when there are other positions and other quality players out there, you might've said, this guy helps us more immediately. Right. And he's clearly going to make a difference on special teams. Right now, AJ Klein, Terrell Dotson, and uh, uh, Terrell Bernard are your three linebackers who are the heir apparents to potentially to mm -hmm. one of those guys or this guy is going to be the day one starter, right? In in replacement mm -hmm. of Tremaine Edmonds, which I don't know or, that any of us are looking at the four of them and going, yes. Or, or remember historically when the Bills played and we were in a 3 4. Yeah, Shane Conlon was not the guy you wanted in on the field in third and eight, right? right so right. if AJ Klein is your guy on first and 10 and then second and four, when you think it's going to be another run, maybe AJ Klein or Terrell Dodson is your guy, or there you go, Balin Spector, whatever yeah. happens to Balin. And I like and then they and then they come off the field in, in the long yardage or passing downs. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. It's just and sentiment has shown up in the comment section. It's just why this guy in this spot, right? I, you could probably get a guy like this with the same potential in round five. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, so there's a, it's just, this was, this was the only head scratcher to me. Yeah. Why him here? Not, yeah. The, well, and, he's and the 91st I, best player in this draft. I just, I'm not sure. Maybe he could surprise us. I'm just not sure. Uh, okay. Fair enough. But I mean, I like what Buffalo Freddie said. And, and and that's me. I want to come downhill. I want to distort, derange, destroy, and dismantle offensive sets. I, I want to be devastating up front. And we traditionally haven't been. We don't have a really exciting blitz game uh, like some other teams do. So I, I agree with Buffalo Freddy on that one. Jerry Ostrowski chimed in and said, you know what? The guy can ball. And look, I mean – Christian Benford, right? What round pick was he? Uh, sixth. Sixth round pick. Is that right? Right. Sixth. If, yeah. if you had picked him in the third round, but but this is the thing. I, I'm just saying we we don't know if, if this guy can do it. We're all going to be saying, "Wow, great pick!" And if he contribute on special teams immediately and be a third down player occasionally, then he fits the Joe Miller he has to play this year. Here's the thing: the reality is. Williams can ball, says Jerry. And and by the way, Jerry and I are going to do a special uh, edition of the Overreaction uh, podcast tomorrow live uh, in place of this show on Monday night because we're obviously live on Sunday night. Um, but isn't th this is the argument for everybody? Oh, that player can ball. Well, all of them, first of all, can ball, right? So, and I'm going to love talking to Jerry about this. But here's the thing, as far as Williams goes, the Detroit Lions took Jack Campbell way too early. 
And that's based on what we like all the measurements, all the scouts, all the things that we talk about. Same thing with this guy. Now, Jack Campbell, I got a buddy that I watched the draft with. He's a Detroit Lions fan. And he was upset that they took Jack Campbell. Was it 16 overall? And he's like, Jack Campbell's supposed to go mid-second. And and the and, and you and the comment I made was Jack Campbell could come in. He's we believe he's going to be a good player. He could play for the Detroit Lions for the next 12 years and have a great career. And you know what? The fact that you took him 16 overall makes sense. But it still doesn't change the projection. Could you have gotten him later and gotten a better player at 16 or moved out, right? And like got more capital. And I think that's the conversation. Williams okay. probably can ball, but could they have gotten him 30 picks later? Well, they didn't think they were going to get Dalton Kincaid two picks later, so they traded up for him. They did. They looked at they looked at the fourth and fifth or fourth and sixth rounds and said, there's nobody here that's super interesting to us, so we're going to trade back and load up for next year. So they're doing what you think. They may have thought that his value was going to be greater to another team. Right. Yeah. And, and Jerry's right. I always say, like, if I had to die and come back as a football player, the last position I would want to play is linebacker. Right. <laughs> or, or, or the only position I would want to play is they expect you to fill, you know, like Ted Johnson did and be a beast. Right. And then right. they expect you to run like a cornerback. I mean, yeah. forget all that. You're caught betwixt and between. So you're either the worst linebacker ever or you've got like the best excuse. Yeah. <laughs> That's a hard position. Yeah, Sarah right. Larson makes a good point here. She says four, three guys all over the Finns and the Jets. We need faster guys all over the deep, all over all over the defense. And and that's and, that's, and and that's what I was also. But but know, but part of on. part of part of the negatives for Dorian Williams, as written by our own Joe Marino, who's a good friend of both of ours, he struggles with angles at times. So he might be fast, but if he struggles with his angles, we've seen that in. Jaquan Johnson. We've seen that in a couple guys on this football team that don't understand angles and like get burnt anyway. Hey, look, all right, all right, fine. You you want to go down that road, Joe? I'm going to tell you, there's a guy who we lost to Chicago, and in his rookie year, I was like, what's he going? That's the wrong angle. (laughs) Right. And now he's, uh, what is he making, 17 million a year, 21 million a year? And he still, and even last year, he struggled at times with his angles, with his angles of pursuit. So, right? So, So, look, and again, uh, lucky seven, right? (laughs) Craps, damn it. Well, Uh, I mean, and and the reality is, is I hope he. And that's a reference. I'm going to Vegas tomorrow for work. So, I'm thinking about. I hope Dorian Williams makes me eat every word or every concern that I have. Well, you feel that way about every pick, I hope. Otherwise, you're just evil. Well, no, I mean, I don't I don't necessarily feel negative even about the next one. In round five, pick 150, and this is the last one we're probably going to talk about for this show because we're running late on time already, mm-hmm. uh, from Arizona, which I'm guessing uh, – or no, that's the draft. We, we traded for that pick from Arizona. Uh, yep, wide yep. receiver out of Florida, Justin mm-hmm. Shorter, who in my opinion is a, is a bit of a highlight reel. Um, and to me, this ju- the Justin Shorter pick along with Dalton Kincaid – and I guess the question is, is how much do we buy into or ascribe to this idea that, you know, teams can send a message to their team with who they draft? So last year, the Bills had a problem with drops. Uh, the last time they had a problem as bad as last year with drops was 2018. And what the Bills did was they basically got rid of every one of those guys for the most part. Uh, Duke Williams was in the practice squad and Robert Foster may have been on the team in 19. I'm not sure. And went and got guys that could catch the football. Dalton Kincaid, we've already kind of established, 
had elite hands, the best hands of anybody in this draft. Uh, Justin Shorter, and this came from Greg from Cover One, uh, also a very good friend of mine. Uh, he says, great hands at a 5.5% drop rate. Six drops in 177 targets. So there's very much an onus, in my opinion, between those two picks that the Buffalo Bills are saying we have a problem. As much as Bills fans like to say, oh, it was just an off year for this guy or that guy, whatever, the Buffalo Bills said, no, 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 we have to get better with guys that can catch the football. And Justin Shorter, like I said, is a human highlight reel. What's weird to me about this pick is some of the, the scouting reports say that he has a difficult time with separation. Meanwhile, he I know they're highlight reels, but when you watch his film, he's open a lot yeah you know i whenever i watch highlight reels like that i'm always looking like who are they playing are they playing east valley tennessee sure. tech you know things right. like that. i want to make a, a correction on what i said earlier it wasn't um drew sand drew sanders was gone by the time we got dorian williams and i was saying if linebacker wasn't the position we had a battle four picks later from South Alabama or from, sorry, safety from Alabama. Mm -hmm. And that would have been like, well, what's the bigger position of need? And they went linebacker. So I apologize for that. My notes, uh, I'm not wearing my glasses, but going, going to Justin shorter, you, you said all the things that make sense to me. And again, this goes back to a guy who's, who's shown those capabilities who can grow a little bit more, but I'm looking at the frame. You know, we yeah. haven't had that frame in a guy who's got that catch radius, who is as reliable, those three things together, uh, until, you know, hopefully this is the guy. Right, right. So if if some people are concerned he can't get off the line, he can't come out of his breaks, he can't separate very well against higher quality opponents, mm -hmm. you know, that's probably a reason why he would be the seventh receiver. But I like the pick. I like the pick. I, I and this may seem silly, but I like the pick because we have his teammate, you know. And I think yeah. that camaraderie for those two guys will make sense. And by the way, it's not just those two. We picked up a tackle from uh, Florida, also undrafted the uh, undrafted free agent. Right, right. So that's uh, that's pretty cool, man. I mean, three guys from one one team. You know, you, that that helps. It really does. Yeah, I know it, that when I was there and having Glenn Parker there, it meant a lot. Mm. When Deshaun Polk, a linebacker from the University of Arizona, came to Buffalo, you know, we had, a, you know, Bond, and I helped that guy out, and we were close, and that that mattered. Yeah. I don't, I don't have, I don't have concerns over his, what Bruce Nolan calls verticality um, because speed and verticality are two completely different things. Gabe Davis is not a burner. Meanwhile, Gabe Davis can get vertical and can get behind corners in the NFL. A lot of times simply due to scheme that defenses play against wide receivers, wide outs and, you know, wide receivers in general, as far as just what, what they're, how they're trying to cover. What'll be interesting to me is the wide receiver seven piece. Um, I've been vocal about not being sold on Khalil Shakir, even with Brandon Bean and whoever else doubling down kind of on Shakir and what their expectations are this year. I would tell you last year, I'm privy to a conversation that happened between a head coach <laughs> and a wide receiver who said, we want you with Gabe Davis, Gabe Davis sliding into number two. We want you to take that Gabe Davis slot this year. Are you ready? He said, yes. Well, they released him and he got picked up by another football team and played really, really well down the stretch. So um, I don't know that I, I buy into necessarily when coaches give coach speak and GMs give GM speak and what they think. 
I think he's got an opportunity on this football team to make some hay relatively quickly if he can show that he can be a reliable pass catcher on this football team, especially if there are struggles. Well, struggles and injuries and, you know, digesting what will definitely be new wrinkles in the offense, adding, look, adding Dalton Kincaid to this offense is going to change it. It's going to have to change the route tree. You know, there's going to be some learning attached to this, uh, this acquisition, two tight ends. If you're going to run that set a little bit more, mm-hmm. it might actually reduce the number of reps. There'll be a little bit more competition between, you know, four and five and six in the wide receiver room. And I'm all for that as we've, you know, we've established, but mm-hmm. I like the pick. I'm not, I'm not looking at uh, Justin Shorter and saying somebody else has got to go. I'm looking at Justin Shorter and saying he adds a dimension that we don't currently have and provides some competition. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I like, I like this pick a lot. I do um, Yeah. I like what it brings to the offense it's clear that the Bills, Sean McDermott. I, I don't. I don't think we were doing. Were we doing the show when Sean McDermott called his wide his wide receiver Smurfs, John Brown, Cole Beasley, mm-hmm. like all the short guys they had. That was mm-hmm. after they. That was when they brought in all those guys that could catch. The Bills. It seems like have made a determined effort to get bigger, like at, at the pass catching. So right now, your shortest wide receiver is I think Khalil Shakir. Right. Yeah, Kenzie's gone. Beasley's gone. Five, like, yeah. No, Khalil Shakir is 5'10, right? 5'9, five, yeah, five, Right. Yeah. So, and I think Diggs is 6'6 six or 6'1. Six, but now you've got this kid who's 6'4, six, 6'5. Six, you've got Dalton Kincaid who's 6'4. Like, there's Dawson Knox who's 6'5. There's just a lot of mass. There's a lot of big guys uh, that are out mm-hmm. there. So, I like I like this pick a lot. Um, uh, so, I, I do too. And we could talk about the seventh picks, you know, seventh round picks, Nick Broker. Alex I don't, Austin. I don't know, but, if you want to, you can. I don't know that. We no, I, I just think that, you know, it's more competition on the offensive line. The kid looks like uh, Nick would be a practice squad player, whatever their, whatever their plans are there. Just size wise, he could get a little bigger. If he's a guard, he's went into like, you know, 305. Um, looked a little bit lean to me. And then Alex Austin, the question mark there is there wasn't a safety, right? There wasn't. Um, so, yeah. With, with the draft in the books and looking at what they did in undrafted free agents, you know, we didn't see much of defense. We saw one defensive tackle from Alabama, you know, no edge. I don't think we saw running back uh, another tackle from Florida. Like I mentioned, you know, there's work to do on the front yeah. four. And I was wrong. Somewhat- I forgot about Hartley or Hardy, however, whichever way you want to pronounce, but he's like five, six. Okay. Um, but I still firmly believe that he's going to be, a punt returner, punt returner, right. returner. But that's so, what I, that's what I think. So, so what I did, what was important to me too, is like where is our draft regarded in comparison to the rest of the East, and you know the premier teams in the AFC that we have to beat. So I went to a, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not the guy. I'm not digesting 15 hours of film on all these players and then going back and looking at my notes and, you know, but what I was encouraged with is across multiple platforms that I researched we had better grades for our six picks than everybody in our division. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we were as good as Cincinnati, uh, as good as Indy and the Ravens, and looks like better than Kansas City. The Jags had t- 13 picks and did not get a great grade. So 
compared to what everybody else did by, you know, the who's who, the pundits, whomever, you know, we fared better than anyone in the division. And I went back and I looked at all those players. Mm -hmm. It was hard, obviously, for Miami because they only had the four picks because, you know, they were paying off um, Jalen Ramsey and then they got the tampering. But then to go with a running back, you know, when you already have Mostert wins. I, so I, I'm, I'm really encouraged by that, even though obviously, you know, our division is super competitive. Very. Um, over another thing, you know, my son is at UCLA. Four of his teammates were drafted, which was mm. fantastic. Two offensive linemen, the running back, and uh, uh, quarterback DTR. And of course, I can't say it enough. Super proud that Bijan Robinson took over the mantle from me for earliest pick from a kid from Tucson, Arizona. And I'm just, you know, thrilled for Bijan and his family. It's just amazing. Can't believe how high he went, but yes, that is, especially to the team that didn't have a quarterback. <laughs> they got Bijan Robinson and yeah. And, uh, and uh, you yeah. know what? So my initial thought when you said that is, Obviously, they know something we don't, which is what this whole damn thing boils down to. <laughs> no, not as a quarterback. You know, they're gonna, yeah, they're gonna run the veer. I, I, I guess I always want to give deference, right? Until you're, until you have Tom Donahoe and Greg Williams, <laughs> you know, then you can legitimately say, <laughs> "What in the hell is going on here?" Uh, but I, I try to give deference to real football people when they make their decisions. So that's funny. Yeah. That's funny. I was going to ask you a question. What were we talking about before we uh, got into a little bit of the sillies there? Um, uh, you we talked talking about, about We were talking about how our uh, comp competition did in the East and uh, the AFC overall. Denver had the worst draft in most opinions with Green Bay not far behind. A lot of the other ones I didn't even look at because I only care about, about the these, Buffalo uh, Bills. No, it, it, for all intents and purposes, it was a draft that uh, I'm probably more excited about this draft than I've been the last couple drafts. Um, you know, as much as I liked Kair Elam uh, and felt we had a huge need at corner, the way the draft class kind of felt, not fell through, but the way the way that it played out just kind of left me. I'm still kind of in the, okay, so is it Christian Benford? Is it Kair Elam? Is Benford going to move to safety? Like, is it, who's going to be the starter there? Yada, yada, yada. But um, I'm excited about these guys, and I'm excited. I, too, looked at some grades. For the most part, uh, the Bills graded out pretty well. Um, it comes down to just guys thinking they know what the Bills need. Well, the Bills really needed a running back. It's like, well, do they? I'm not so sure. Like there was, uh, who was I watching? And, and, th and that's why I looked across, you know, yeah. I looked at some people who had a predictive idea of what they needed, did align with what I thought. Are there still holes? I think because, you know, DN, DT and linebacker, well, I could say linebacker was addressed. You know, it still begs to me that we're going to see, a different defense in attitude this year. You know, I'm not smart enough to know exactly, uh, you know, the calls, the, the, the coverages and the leverages that they play, mm -hmm. but I, I, I hope and pray, you know, that we're coming downhill a lot more and that we have, um, we're going to do a little bit more that confuses uh, quarterbacks and offensive linemen, you know? Yep. So yeah. Game plan to your opponent that you're talking about, like, right. Well, not game plan. It's philosophy, really. I mean, we've we've already seen that that Leslie Frazier didn't really want a game plan based on previous games, success or otherwise mm -hmm. that teams played against our upcoming opponent. Yeah. So, 
it's it's more of a dictatorial type of attitude like we are going to force this to happen we're going to go press man single high safety we're going to empty the middle of the field and say we're going to get there before you can dump it off and you know the safety come up make a tackle for eight yards good for you you got your first down but we are here to be seen and to wreak havoc very good. Uh, so that's pretty much all that we're going to cover in this here episode. We're going to let uh, you guys get uh, some of your time back for this episode. We're not going to go the full hour. What should uh, what should everybody that, that is interested in the show expect? When are we when are we coming back? Are we coming back full time in August? When, what are we doing? Like when when, when training when, when training camp starts? What do you want to do? You know, I think Joe and I react to market conditions. Uh, <laughs> should there be an incredible signing or move? You know, we're going to talk about how that affects. We'll schedule an impromptu show. You know, just be ready, Bills Mafia. Uh, but I think we'll probably do a, you know, preseason cut and then maybe one or two shows during the preseason time. And, you know, hopefully by then we have our sponsors set. If anybody out there knows of somebody that wants to load up on the Off Tackle Show with Joe Miller, then, hey, we, we'd love to talk to him. Yeah, I think we, we love our sponsors. I think we want think, them back. I think last year we started uh, first or second week of August. So at the yeah. very latest, probably I would expect us back second week mm-hmm. of August. But uh, yeah, that's all I've got. So super exciting time. Uh, yeah, uh, the the draft was great. I had a good time watching it. A lot of twists, a lot of turns, a lot of crazy stuff this year, which was great. Guys going when you didn't expect. Trades going when you didn't didn't expect. The Falcons getting two and three, like back to back, was crazy to me. Uh, the Detroit Lions did some crazy things. And like you said, or we talked about B. John Robinson going as early as he went. Um, all good stuff. Very good draft. Looking forward to an entertaining year and uh, what we got rookie camp, rookie mini camp coming up, and then uh, more OTAs, mini camps, blah, 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 in the summer. And then I'm going to say it here. I'm going to say it now because I say it on my show all the time. Don't wish your summer away. Don't wish your summer away. Get it looking forward to Bill's football. I did it for a long time. Like June would come and it was like, can September just get here? Come on, September. And I'd wish the summer away. So don't. It's, the, it's the opposite of a player. <laughs> right. Players like, could July just be a little further away? <laughs> Do not wish. Enjoy the summer. And Enjoy then Enjoy your ball. summer, Joe Miller. Listen right. to the, the wise man, Joe Miller. Right. And then, uh, yeah. And then uh, take it all in when it happens. But uh, for me, for John Fina, for Buffalo Rumblings, uh, appreciate you guys again tomorrow evening, Monday, I think at eight o'clock before intentional grounding with Sterling. Uh, we'll, there'll be a special overreaction pod with myself and uh, Jerry Ostrowski, John's former teammate. But uh, John, any final words? Yeah. Um, head up, Buffalo Bills fans. We got a good team. We have a new opportunity this year. We had a really good draft. Uh, Be optimistic. Don't wish your summer away. I love that. In Arizona, we wish our summers away, you know, starting today. It got hot. Uh, But by and large, thanks, everybody, for hanging out, listening to us. The show went longer than we thought. We always think it's going to be short. But with with the content that uh, the insight that Joe has, you know, we just we love it. Don't you patronize me. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, for me, for Joe Miller on the Off Tackle Show (laughs) and John Fina. We'll talk to you guys later. Love you guys. Go Bills. Go Bills.